Despite efforts across the state, in-person schooling will not be happening in most of California in the beginning of the coming school year. California had avoided New York-like spikes in infections until this past month when the virus spiraled out of control. School districts were left with a Faustian bargain as reopening would spread the disease. Here's where things stand. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Kristen Takeda, you're the education reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and last week was a busy week for school news, so let's start by getting people up to speed. What were the series of events that occurred last week that essentially put the kibosh on in-person schooling pretty much everywhere in California last week? Yeah, so what kind of started the chain of events last week was on Monday, San Diego Unified and Los Angeles Unified, the state's two largest school districts, they made a big decision to announced that they're starting the school year online only. And they did, um, San Diego did that for a number of reasons, but overall it was largely because of the coronavirus spike we're seeing right now. And um, they were also just concerned that there wasn't enough testing in place to safely reopen. And there wasn't, they also said that there wasn't clear enough guidelines from the state about when schools should reopen because up till then, Um, it was all up to school districts on their own to decide if they wanted to open or not. So school districts were coming up with very different, uh, different conclusions as to whether they would reopen and some were just forging on ahead. Others were being more cautious and were not going to reopen until the testing rates went down a lot uh, or the positive rates went down a lot. So that's what happened in the beginning. And that was big news. And then, Four days later, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom announces that um, actually a lot of schools will not be allowed to reopen um, in most California counties until they get their COVID situation more under control. So um, that and that includes San Diego County. So um, it was kind of expected that after the two districts in the beginning of the week made their decision that at least some districts would follow suit. Which, they, which did happen, Chula Vista Elementary, for example, uh, announced soon after that they would also start the year online. But um, I think just it, it seems like there was gradually gaining momentum and toward that direction of we need to be uh, people thinking we, thinking we need to be cautious before reopening, considering like the cases are just continuing to increase and they're not slowing down or decreasing. Mm-hmm. And the series of events that kind of led all of us to come down is kind of a microcosm of what we see in this entire pandemic, in which the federal government has punted to the states, states have punted to counties, counties, you know, have punted to cities. And because they keep passing this hot potato of decision making, there's no unified response. So you had this patchwork response to a crisis that doesn't respect geographical bounds. So in a sense, Newsom's hand was forced. Otherwise, you know, we could have even worse spikes simply because the more interactions that would occur if you had all these people in an indoor space, which we know causes an increase of chances of getting it. So during this time, when things were getting worse in California and in most southern and western states, uh, what do we know about the decision making within Unified? What were they kind of deciding on before Newsom kind of just said it's over? 
Um, yeah, I think with those issues about um, not having enough testing or contact tracing, just if, like, basically we need the ability to not only uh, minimize the virus, but to see where it is and just to have, like, if there would need to be, uh, for example, sufficient testing for at least staff is what something that Governor Newsom mentioned on Friday um, is being required for schools when they do reopen. So um, I think in general, what we saw last week is that the whole community situation of coronavirus, like what's going on in the community is really impacting schools. So if a school is in a community or a county where the where coronavirus is just not under control, then that's going to basically prevent the school from reopening. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the pandemic first started, uh, schools stopped more or less and it went to online learning. Looking back in the spring when they were forced to make this transition really quickly, what were some of the biggest struggles that districts had to provide the same quality instruction to students remotely? Yeah, I think that's a big concern that a lot of parents will be having going into the next month when schools reopen for distance learning or if the county doesn't get it, get COVID under control by then. Um, So parents are, a lot of parents are not looking forward to having more weeks or potentially months of distance learning, which was, um, at least in the spring, it was really an emergency type of learning. Everyone just kind of jumped into it, or a lot of districts jumped into it without having uh, really that experience uh, for um, such widespread distance learning. So, I mean, all the issues of we're going to see the, uh, I expect we're going to see the same issues of technology access again next month. Um, I wonder how many school districts know how many of their students still don't have laptops or still don't have Wi-Fi access. Like all those issues will probably have to be revisited since now this is going to be the, this is probably going to be the norm for all students. And um, I'm, and also I'm, thinking about special education students because a lot of those families were really counting on schools to reopen again because for a, a lot of them, they've been missing so many of their ser- the services that they need because schools have been closed and a lot of those services are just only in-person available. So um, those families are going to have to wait an untold amount of time before they can get their kids' services again. So it's just, it's kind of, um, it's like all the issues we kind of saw, a lot of the issues we saw in the spring are going to come back again. And so it's going to be on school districts to change uh, their distance learning or online learning offerings. Um, and a lot of them say they are going to do that. They are going to, for example, have more, um, some of them are going to use grades more often than um, or more stringently than they did in the spring. Um, and have more training for teachers and kind of simplify all the different online systems that they're using for, uh, for students in schools. But um, I think a lot of parents are still uh, skeptical that distance learning, I mean, even with a number of improvements, online learning isn't the same. And it's not, it's a lot of people will say it's not going to be as good as in-person learning, which a lot of people were looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And uh, also during that sudden transition in spring, it was expensive as you had to get equipment to all these students. You had to retool everything. 
What is the funding situation now? Uh, are things equally as dire as it was back then? Well, now we know that the state is not going to decrease funding for schools or districts um, for uh, this school year, although they will be getting deferrals, which is basically they're going to have to wait um, more months for some of their funding that they're due. But um, so it's not as at least at least schools and districts are not seeing huge cuts. But um, I think the question of whether what like if we are allowed to reopen when we're allowed to reopen, will schools and districts have enough money to do so? I think that question is still kind of unanswered because we don't know yet whether there will be any additional federal funding yet. Um, so that that's still unknown. And I mean, but there's a lot of unknowns right now. We still don't, we don't know like when we'll be able to reopen again. That's, that's hmm. totally up in the air right now. Certainly. And one of the odd things that's kind of happened after this conversation with schools took such a turn last week is that you have people who normally wouldn't be advocating for online charter schools to look in this as an option. Uh, what have you heard from the charter school community? Are they seizing this moment? Because generally they have more experience with this kind of distance learning thing than a traditional public school, right? Well, it depends on the type of charter school. There are lots of different kinds of charter schools and some charter schools are in person, brick and mortar, just like uh, traditional district schools, but there is a, uh, a significant number of charter schools who are online or they're homeschool based. Um, so those, um, those it's interesting because those kinds of schools are getting lots of an interest from families right now. Um, I mean, they have been since the pandemic started, but I think now that everyone knows it's very likely we're going to have online learning only for a while now. Um, I think they're probably going to see even more families trying to sign up. And actually, it's, they've already gotten so many enrollment applicants that they've had to start turning people away in some cases just because they don't have any room um, and they have wait lists for them. So, um, and part of all this, part of this issue is that the state budget that was passed it does not increase funding for schools, even if they add more students or enrollment. And in the past, they used to get more money if they got more students, but this budget freeze, kind of freezes school funding. So that's why uh, a lot of these kinds of schools are upset that, that they don't get more funding, even though they're getting so much more demand and interest from families. So, but that is, I think that is one of the options that parents are looking at as they're seeing that their districts are just only able to offer distance learning for the foreseeable future. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's other options that it's interesting because there's a lot of other options that parents are looking at. Um, they're kind of seeking out alternatives or extra supports now that um, they're stuck with online learning for a while. So one of those is learning pods or pandemic pods is, some people are calling them. They're like little groups of uh, students and families where they they meet in person and they get to, you know, have that social outlet that they're missing from not having school in person. And um, sometimes they're led by parents. Sometimes they'll be led by teachers that they hire. Um, so uh, that's like one of the rapidly growing popular uh options I'm seeing right now among parents. 
Um, but all those kinds of all those kinds of um, options will bring up issues of equity because there's always going to be families who are not going to be able to afford things like that or just don't have the connections or resources to uh, participate in something like that. So, um, yeah, so that's a whole another uh, kind of other story that's happening right now as a result of this uh, news from the state. Mm-hmm. In a way that kind of encapsulates all of the problems with this pandemic, because it really just preys upon all of the in- existing inequities in American society. The students that need public school the most, the special education students with IEPs, low-income students, homeless students, they're the ones that are hurting the most from this, while upper middle class and upper class individuals can have learning pods, even have a governess come in and teach them like it's the, you know, 1845 or something. But given that this divide is going to become really deep if nothing happens and we just have the status quo, what are you hearing from local leaders about how we can make sure that those that need school the most are getting the most from it because those are the ones that really are hurt the most and lose the most potential because without education, how are you going to have a future? Yeah, that's something I, I would um, I would like to know from, or I would like to learn more about from for example, school districts or, you know, the traditional public school systems that um, are, you know, they're in a typical uh, non-pandemic world, they would be the ones providing all the in-person school and uh, they're that providing that equity or they're supposed to provide that equity and services for students. But um, I, I, f- I wonder what solutions, if any, they will be coming up with to kind of uh, bridge that equity divide because it seems like parents are uh, coming up with their own solutions now. But um, there's, I wonder what a school district or a school system can do to um, ensure that for everybody rather than individual parents doing it on their own. And then inevitably other parents will not um, like be able to participate or not uh, be able to do that as well. So uh yeah, I, I've heard some parents ask whether, for example, school districts would be able to help organize like parent director or directories for pods or just like help with some of the, I guess, establishing connections for parents who might need some of those resources and um, just connect them with them. So we'll see if, if school districts or schools are going to um I guess, get involved in this in any way, or if they're going to kind of step back and just say, like, we need, we need to only do our own distance learning. We can't get involved in something like this. Mm-hmm. And also uh, the move of LA Unified and San Diego Unified uh, saying they weren't going to have in-person school before Newsom made his a- actions was seen as uh, somewhat as a rebuke to President Donald Trump and Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, who are both really pushing the idea of schools need to reopen. The economy can't function if we don't have functional schools. And right now there is discussions going on in Congress for a new coronavirus package, which includes uh, federal funding for schools as well as potentially stimulus payments. But as of the draft written by the Senate, it ties that funds to reopening. Let's say that this happens. It may not because it has to go through the House and the president has to sign whatever thing is written. But how bad of a hit would it be if for some reason California doesn't get this federal funding? We're the largest state, we're the the largest population, what would happen if that were to come to pass? 
I mean, I, I think that would just be really terrible or really difficult and I for schools because I think a lot of them were counting on federal funding to come in. Um, and like I said before, we don't know like if we're allowed to reopen, if we can reopen, um, I, or that's what a lot of schools are saying. So we're not, um, I think, and that really makes it complicated because I mean, it's like the state forced schools to close. So, um, I mean, that's kind of one criticism I heard a lot from certain areas and parents and school districts um, is that like they believe there should be local control. There should like a school district in an, one area should be able to decide if they can reopen or not because they might not have as high COVID rates as the rest of the county or other parts of the county. So, um, I mean, if they were, I guess, blocked from receiving federal funds because of something that they didn't decide, then I think that would just create a lot of uh, I guess, acrimony or um, that would just be a very difficult situation. But I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the federal funding. But if it is tied to reopening, that would be very difficult, very difficult. Yeah, I feel like this pandemic has really made everyone realize the importance of local leadership and local elections. Like, I can't think of a time in recent history in which, you know, the county board of supervisors and school districts had such a direct impact on literally our entire lives. So, you know, maybe in the future post pandemic, there'll be a little bit more focus on local issues rather than simply this national picture, which has largely dominated the conversation recently for the past, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And as we get forward and, you know, people are reacting to all of these things, are we expecting anything uh, new coming in the coming days when it comes to schools or any stories that you hope to find answers on in the coming days? Um, I think exploring that idea of what, um, ex- what additional supports or alternatives that parents are looking for, because I think that's something I'm going to be focusing on, especially this week and next week is um, what are, I, I think, uh, with schools being closed for a longer time, I think even more parents are uh, going to be either leaving for other options or um, kind of looking for those additional things they can pay for that can help fill in the gap for the lack of in-person school. And then obviously all the equity issues that are tied to that. Um, I think that's like a really, that's a really big um, story that's happening right now. So um, that's something I'm going to explore. Mm-hmm. All right. Chris Takeda, thank you so much. Thank you. In other news, San Diego Mayor Kevin Falconer signed an executive order Monday allowing gyms, barbershops, hair and nail salons, and other businesses to move their work to private parking lots outside. The move waives any need for city permitting for businesses to shift outdoors, giving most businesses an immediate avenue to remain open during the pandemic. The order also covers places of worship. A proposed city ordinance would expand this to public street parking areas, but that idea first must receive approval by city council vote. Falconer was clear that some personal services regulated by the California State Board of Barbering and Cosmetology must still comply with regulators in Sacramento before setting up shop outside. Hours later, state regulators upped their rules for these businesses. Hair services, once banned from working outside, are now allowed. 
as are services for skincare, nails, and massage. Services that require a hygienic environment, such as tattooing, electrolysis, and piercing, cannot be done outdoors. The San Diego Union Tribune is hosting a contest to create the best public service announcement to remind people to stop the spread of COVID-19. We're soliciting listeners like you to come up with the best PSA for print, digital, or video. The winner of this contest will get a grand prize of $2,500, and their PSA will be published in the UT in various formats. The winner will also have the opportunity to be a guest on Fox 5 San Diego's Morning News. You have until August 16th to submit. For more details, go to uniontrip.com slash stop the spread. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. As developments are coming in the world of baseball, our San Diego Padres podcast, Hot Lava, is back. Kevin Acey and Jay Posner discuss the start of the MLB season and more. Look for it wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this momentous time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrip.com slash subscribe. Until next time.